You're listening to the Teen Wolf Rewolf. Housekeeping. Uh, I want to start the episode with housekeeping today because I feel like nobody's listening at the end. That's fair. So I want to remind you guys, if you like this podcast, leave us a review on iTunes. If you like us, follow us on Twitter at TeenWolf underscore ReWolf. And if you really like us, we now have a coffee. You can buy us a coffee. It's just coffee, K-O hyphen F-I dot com forward slash TeenWolfReWolf. No obligation whatsoever. Uh, just to cover the cost of the podcast, the only reason we set it up, we're going to start doing bonus stuff on there. Um, I'm just introducing it now so that I'm not trying to cram it in at the end. Yes. Cool. Housekeeping over. Unless you have anything to add. No, I think you covered it brilliantly. Great. Yeah. So, in our time of looking toward a bright new COVID-free future... Mm-hmm. We had to watch an episode of Teen Wolf about a, uh, I guess, an epidemic, a breakout. I don't an know, outbreak? an outbreak. Yes, of a an un- indeterminate disease, possibly smallpox. The smallpox adjacent. Yes, um, which you know, if you've gone to school in the U.S., you know, smallpox is terrifying. You know, we murdered millions of people with it on smallpox purpose. Smallpox blankets. Yeah, we did. Um, but it's also eradicated. Yeah, millions might be an exaggeration, but like a lot, a lot of, of people, a lot, died. a lot of people. Yeah, um, crazy that it has been eradicated. Um, I don't know. Have you ever (laughs) seen the smallpox episode of House? No. Oh, it's like horrific. Yeah, it's gross. The family, this family gets smallpox from a jar of scabs used for inoculations they find on a shipwreck. That is ridiculous. Okay, I know there's a lot of things that contend for the most show on television, but House really (laughs) might take the cake. Um... If you simply replaced that with um, Supernatural, I would have believed you. <laughs> like, like if I had explained that that was something that happened on Supernatural? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. but trying to explain that it happened on House is like, like... what in the world? Huh? But I mean, there's a lot of really crazy gross stuff that happens on House. Yes. There's episodes that have scarred me. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, I feel like... It, I feel like every show that dabbles like in the supernatural or in the sci-fi area has some sort of um sort of outbreak but houses a realistic medical drama which makes it so much worse it it does yeah like house um, house is the most medically accurate doctor show on television that sounds like a it was a lot of work yeah yeah uh but we used to i don't know did you get to watch house in bio in high school no Whenever we'd finish tests or like have a day after a test in my honors bio class, and they did this in the AP classes too, our um, one one specific bio teacher uh, would let us watch House the next class. Legitimately, I cannot remember any of my high school science classes. I think I just blocked them out. Uh, I remember being really <clears throat> upset. I remember my chem teacher gave me a pity B because I can't do math. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. That's Tyson. Nice. You're a real G. <laughs> That's nice. I my history teacher uh, used to just not lesson plan. And this is like IB history, mm-hmm. junior year, very serious stuff. Yeah, he just would not lesson plan. And he'd come in and play videos from National Geographic. Patrick Balot, I hope he get fired. Um, no, he was also the athletic director. I feel like he was very busy. Um, but I was like, I come to school, and I go through seven periods a day, and we are watching National Geographic. Yeah, Why? I mean, the house thing was like a reward. Yes, this was just... I um, also had a history teacher who let us watch the Sam Adams HBO series, but that was also a reward. Mm. Um, yeah. I feel like the reward in my science classes was always a Bill Nye 
uh, Bill Nye. Video. <laughs> That's really fun. When you're in high school, even though it's for children, Bill Nye, it's for everybody. I don't remember. I feel like none of my science classes besides that had like a after test thing, mm. um, which is fine. That's it's fine. I science science should be awesome, but math, man, it just it sneaks up on you. Mm-hmm. Conceptually, I understand chemistry. Mathematically, I would rather die. <laughs> this okay. It's funny that we're on such like a high school um, kick, kick but because this episode has to do with like one of the most high school things, and we're about to talk about it mm-hmm. on the Teen Wolf Free Wolf, a podcast where we talk about MTV's Teen Wolf and a bunch of other shows, I guess too. My name is Christian. I'm Julia. We're ready to rock and roll. Let's do it. So this episode is called Weaponized, and we actually, uh, somebody reached out to us on Instagram. Philippa told us that this is her favorite episode, so lordy, lordy, I hope we do it justice. It's uh, jam-packed. It's good. I had so much fun, Mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, I don't know what episode that is, and we started watching, and I was like, I know exactly what episode this is, and I like it, so... Yeah, I uh, still am, because I have only ever watched this show one time, I'm like, this is such a fun discovery for me. But, you know, pieces came back as we were watching it, which is kind of nice for me, honestly. It's like a discovery, you know, watching these episodes. Star Trek Discovery? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't seen it. Can't comment on it. Mm, I saw, I watched the first couple episodes, but it's hard to access. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Star Trek <laughs> should be the show of the people. It really should be. And the fact that it's on like the one streaming service, I don't think anybody it has. has. Yeah. It's weird. People really are saying good things about Picard too, but I can't get to it. So, no. so we won't, I, I won't be watching it anyway. Bonus episode on Star Trek. Oh, we already did one. <laughs> I just remembered. Do it again. Yeah. Um, this episode was written by Alyssa Clark, who edited for Teen Wolf for years. Oh, girl boss. Yeah. Um, and she also, I mean, worked on a, cu- a couple of episodes, I guess, but she has also uh, worked on The 100 as a producer and a writer. Women make the best editors because they're the only people who can make male directors look good. That is why uh, Mad Max Fury Road is so good. Yes. Because uh, his, I believe his wife edited it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Angela Harvey. So, a dream team. A girl team. Mm-hmm. Love this. Uh, and directed by Tim Andrew. We haven't had a Tim Andrew episode in a while, and I kind of was like... Oh, this is, I, well, at first I was like, haha, this must be Russell Mulcahy because it was raining. And then the second I saw the slow-mo, I was like, Tim Andrew, he's back. This is his, this is his handiwork. Yeah. Yeah. I liked it. It was, it was, um, dark, but not in a way where like, I just could not see anything. Um. Oh, I thought you meant emotionally. That too. It is. But I don't think that's dark. Tim's fault. No. Or doing. No, rather. actually, like, I even think that there's, there, even in the, in the scenes where, like, Scott and Kira and Malia can't see, I thought we were about to be, like, in a zone of being, like, not being able to see as an audience. And no, he kept it bright. And it was, it was mm-hmm. fun. I had a great time. Um, we do have to do the recap before we dig too far into it, though. Yeah. And I, fortunately, I, I'm you, going first. You are. Um, are you ready? Yeah. You have one minute on the clock starting now. Okay. So uh, Scott and Styles are talking about what they're supposed to do with the money and Malia shows up and she's like, Derek found Satomi's pack and they're all dead. And then Derek rolls into the hospital with Brayden. And then we see like the Simon, who is the mur- new murder guy creating his creepy lab uh, disease. And then Kira and Malia are talking and like they're in, they're in line at the PSAT. And, he, and Malia's like, do you think that's gotten Styles are keeping something from me? And Kira's like, I don't know. And then she shocks the lady who's trying to take their temperature or whatever, because everybody's breaking out sick because, and then we find that out that the coach is also sick. And then, uh, Mr. Kamara finds Scott and he's like, we need to get you guys out of here so that you guys, cause you guys are getting affected so much 
more poorly and they, he hides them in the vault and then at the hospital Brayden is like everyone's really sick and Satomi shows up and they're like this is a disease this isn't a poisoning and we find out that um um uh 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 Lydia is at the lake house and she's trying to listen to Meredith and she shows up at the uh, uh, school and she's like, there, someone's going to die, someone's going to die. Oh my God, I just did not do a good job. Yeah. I was actually like halfway through my notes and it was like, this is not happening for me today. You know, um, in your defense, I was very engaged by, Were your, you? by your retelling of this Was it just story. the utter confusion? Like, um, I think you were just gripped by me not getting through this? Uh, no, I was actually, I was listening, so. Um, okay, so you are going to go next mm-hmm. and clean up my mess. Well, that's the job of the person who goes second, you know? Sure. Okie dokie. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. One, two, three. Okay, so Styles and Scott are listening to the instruction tape, and they're debating returning the money back because uh, they don't really like Peter. Derek takes Brayden to the hospital because she's been shot, um, and Satomi shows up at the hospital. It is uh, time for the PSAT, and it's, like, super dramatic, and a girl drop uh, passes out in class. Um, the CDC shows up because uh, Lydia's mom is like, oh, my God, this is, like, a viral illness. Um, and Melissa's like, we have to wake up Brayden because we do not know what's going on, and she probably does. Um, Satomi brings in her sick pack member to Deaton, um, and everybody starts getting sick at the school. Lydia's back at the lake house with Meredith's things and trying to talk to her because she feels guilty um the gang is like planning to hide in the hail vault um and Malia says that she knows she's been hiding something um but she's like oh I know I'm on the list and they're like oh yeah sure that's exactly what we're hiding um Satomi's betas die um the kids are talking about how Peter is just like awful um Deaton says that they need an antidote to whatever this problem is um and the sheriff asks Lydia if if she thinks that people are going to die and she says like yes obviously um satomi reveals that she has a tea of mushrooms um oh oh i was so close um sure so satomi reveals that reishi mushroom tea uh, is what's kept her from getting sick um styles simon who is the evil professor guy who made the diseased corner styles and says if you don't tell me where the other railroads are i'm gonna kill you Raphael shows up and kills him i'm glad you know his name um i, I read not. it only from the subs okay so yeah uh scott gets to i mean styles gets to the um vault in time to tell scott that the mushrooms will save him scott breaks a jar of mushrooms and everybody starts to recover yes yes um, oh, and at the end, Malia sees her name on the Deadpool list as Malia Hale and realizes that Scott and Styles are keeping something from her. Dun, dun, dun. Her dad is Peter. Yes. And she walks away from Styles. She does. Which is... Very I, dramatically. They have such... Like, he's so sweet with her in this episode, and it makes it so much worse. Mm-hmm. Like, when she's cradled up in his arms. It's so, so sweet. So loving. It's really cute. Yeah. I, um... I'm excited to talk about this episode, and we are going to be talking about it through the theme of survival, which felt like an interesting theme for this one, because with something like a biological weapon, it's not like anyone's running for their lives, you know? It Mm -hmm. feels very much like it's something that happens to you, as opposed to something that is done to you, and that uh, manifests in really interesting ways in this episode. And uh, where would you like to start? Um, hmm. Well... I don't know. I feel like it's hard to kind of um, separate a lot of these characters because they're together for most of the episode. Um, so do we want to start by talking about the kids at the sc- who are at the school? Uh, yeah, I think more specifically we should talk about mm-hmm. our supernatural friends. Yes. So we see that the humans get sicker way faster. Like the first girl to fall is um, a, a sort of day player whose name I don't know. Um, but even before that, it's Coach who's sick. Mm-hmm. And originally, Lydia's mom... What is Lydia's mom's name? 
Oh, I can like hear it in my head. I'm gonna look it up. Uh, Mrs. Um, Martin yeah. finds uh, Coach, and she's like, "Oh, Bobby," and she thinks that he's um, drunk and that he has fallen off the wagon, so to speak. Um, Natalie. Her Natalie. Natalie. Oh, I should have known that. Okay, so Natalie finds the coach. He's sick. And the second the other girl falls, she's like, oh, shit, maybe that's what's happening to coach. Maybe because he doesn't look drunk. I would not assume that he was drunk. I'd be like, something is wrong. Yeah. I would be concerned for his welfare. I would have looked for a bottle also. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that she didn't was kind of odd. Anyway, so it seems like that that is going to be the big scary of this episode that all of the humans are going to die. And by the time that the disease starts affecting the werewolves it's very clear that like what's happening to the people in the school like the humans is just like weak sauce Mm -hmm. scott has like no control over any of his faculties he can't use his claws he is like hyperventilating in the bathroom when natalie tries to find him and then mr yukimura finds him um which is like what a g it was really great to have somebody on the inside you know who could actually help them and it's really interesting because we see it sort of manifest in Scott and Malia sort of immediately. Scott a little bit stronger than Malia and they are getting really sick. And then we see it in Kira in like a totally different, scarier way. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting to me is it, it seems so out of control in from everybody's perspective, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, I think it's really interesting that it does end up affecting Kira because she seems like the most powerful out of all of them. Yes. Um, and so you wouldn't think that that would be uh, a problem for her. Um, but it just takes everyone out. And Styles once again, is the only person uh, who can really help them out of that situation, although he is also sick. Um, mm-hmm. And it just... I, it's very... It, it's upsetting. I don't know. To watch in this context, to watch people like getting sick... Um, and to have it be affecting them, even though logically I know that this is just happening to them because they're werewolves. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like sad to see. Yeah. And I think it kind of puts into perspective that like survival in this case is something that they must sort of wait for. Mm-hmm. Like there's very little Scott and Malia and Kira can do um, until somebody else, you know, finds a way to help them, uh, which is a really scary position to be put in. They really don't have any agency. Um, whereas I feel like, I mean, Scott throughout this whole show is like, well, I have to save people. I have to be kind of that agent of good and of restoring calm. And all of a sudden he's in this spot um, as he finds himself in more frequently nowadays where he's relying on other people and he has ab- no agency over mm-hmm. his own survival. Yeah. Um, which is a lot when you consider the fact that like Scott is the alpha yeah yeah and you know i want to talk about uh, not malia kira jumping off in that because it's not just like she's sick it's a little bit like she's losing her mind Mm -hmm. which is so um one it's kind of interesting that like and this would be sort of more poignant maybe if malia were there because like sort of insanity is like a woman's disease (laughs) yes uh it like textually and like like trophy wise, not in general. Um, but it's, it's sort of like nothing's wrong with her until something's really wrong with her. And she's, you know, she doesn't have, she, she doesn't have like proprioception anymore. She doesn't have like, um, 
the ability to distinguish how to read things. It's, it's really interesting. And it actually reminds me of some of the stuff that we see styles go through. Totally. Uh-huh. Um, in, in, in three a. Yeah. Especially when her dad pulls out, um, her PSET tests and her little, um, bubbles to fill in the dots, uh, are all over the place. They're not even, um, close to the answers. Um, I find it really interesting because I feel like electricity is such, um, an, a difficult to manage, um, element. I don't really know what you would call it scientifically. Like it's not an element, but like, um, it can be really kind of wild and out of control, um, like in lightning strikes, but we also use it to, you know, power our whole lives. And from, you know, I would think that her, her powers going on the fritz would make her more dangerous. Um, but instead it just weakens her. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting to me is that, um, the fight for survival amongst our three supernatural friends in the school is not only the fight for their own survival, but also the fight for them to not hurt anybody else. It's their fight for other people's survival because Scott is made pretty, pretty aware pretty quickly that he has no control over his own shift. Mm -hmm. Um, and if, you know, something were to happen while they were out amongst their peers, somebody could get really hurt, especially with somebody like Malio, who is already has control issues. Mm -hmm. Um, and with something like Kira, who has, you know, an elemental power that can kill people with by touch, you know, mm -hmm. that's really scary. Yeah. Well, and that's like one of their main objectives when they go, um, quarantine, I guess, in the vault, um, is not just to survive, uh, for themselves, but to protect the people around them. Mm -hmm. Um, but very noble. Yeah. Like the, these teens always are mm -hmm. very self-sacrificing. Um, but they want to live like they don't, they don't want to have to go through this. Yeah. It's so sort of sad that like at the beginning of the episode, Scott's like, if we're going to live, we actually have to live, which means taking the PSAT. Yeah. And Kira's like, it's three hours. We can do three hours. And evidently, no, they can't. It's so <laughs> sad. Can't. And that also is just like sort of like the struggle to, you know, survive to a nor to normalcy, mm -hmm. which is, is, you know, kind of the thesis of, of our last couple seasons of Teen Wolf. Uh, I want to talk a little about what Styles. Mm -hmm. Styles I think because he's so much less sick and also like isn't experiencing like the big bad things that are happening to his friends is putting his own survival seriously on the back burner. He is running around. Even Natalie is like, uh, don't you want to lay down? You look like you're going to die, dude. Mm -hmm. um, and ultimately faces one of the sort of scariest moments in the episode when Simon, the chemist, uh, has a gun with a silencer to his head, you know, which it's like something about putting a silencer on the gun that made it feel so much like so much grosser, mm -hmm. you know, that I, I just thought like there's this idea that like if he shot styles, nobody could, would find him for hours. Yeah. I was actually reading somewhere that silencers are like nowhere as effective as they are portrayed to be in movies. And now I want to know what they actually sound like. Oh yeah. I guess so too. Um, I'm very curious. This is a continuation that we've seen of Styles continuously putting himself at risk. Yes. Um, ever since he has sort of become fully himself after his encounter with the Nugitsune. And um, he doesn't really seem to put a lot of value into his own survival. No, no. And I, I wonder if that's a little bit sort of a reparations type thing. Possibly. Um, Teen Wolf would be smart to investigate it. They don't, so they're not smart. Mm -hmm. um, 
But I also wonder if it's a little bit like, well, I've survived this long and through this much. I, you know, maybe it's a, um, a sort of like, he's not getting blasé, but he's a little bit more confident in his own ability to survive. Oh, yeah. Well, this kind of reminds me, I was thinking um, while we were watching this, and I don't, I know you haven't read Station Eleven, but this is a, it, apparently a Star Trek quote. I've never heard it in the original context. Um, but in Station Eleven, when these, people who are going out and performing Shakespeare after there's been like a horrific global pandemic that wiped out, you know, 75% of the population, their whole mantra is that survival is insufficient. You can't just survive in this situation. You have to make and do. And I think that's kind of how Styles feels. Like he, it's not just enough for him to survive in this scenario. He has to be proactive um, in saving his friends mm-hmm. because just surviving him. And Simon even brings that up. He's like, well, why... Why should you have to die? Yeah. Um, bring yeah. me to your friends. Why should you have to die? Because yeah. you will get better. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And he also does not want to survive without them. No, that's like uh, been proven over and over again. Yeah, and dark to think about, but they're all he has, you know? Mm-hmm. They're his family. Yeah. His pack. His And like his Ohana is little and broken, but still good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and... Ultimately, we find out later that, like, Raphael, after Raphael kills uh, the, the chemist, I think that's his villain name, um, Scott asks him how he's supposed to deal with, like, taking a life, and he tells him, like, Raphael tells him, like, for a long time I drank, and that's why you find out where his, like, alcohol issues come from, and it really sort of puts into perspective, like, the, the way that we sort of, like, life gets sort of... Um, tossed around in Teen Wolf and then mm-hmm. when you have sort of moments of sobriety like that quoth unquote um <laughs> it, it sort of levels it um and to think that Styles is like fighting for his own survival would rather not die would rather die than have his friends die and only to see somebody's head get blown off I think that reframes survival for him a little bit yeah Particularly because he he is so close in that moment to having his brains blown out. Yes. Oh, the blood splatter. Very good. Really good body horror in this episode. Oh, yeah. Excellent. Any kind of disease. Let's take a second to talk about the disease. Any Mm -hmm. kind of disease arc uh, right now feels a little close to home. Ouchie. But it always, there's always a rash and the rash is always gross. It's always gross. Um, the pack member that we see that Satomi brings to the hospital ends up like puking up black bile, which I, th- I feel like is a thing that we've seen before. Yeah. Oh, all the time. There's a lot of puke. It, there's usually mistletoe in it. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. a lot of puke in the show uh, for some reason. But I think that that mm, makes it really tactile. Um, maybe not the right word, but like you are really able to kind of um, visualize. And, sensory. Yeah. It's a sensory experience of like what these people must be going through because like um, you know, in our current situation, an upper respiratory infection is scary when it gets to that point, but there's not the same kind of like visceral, um, body horror or like disgust that you see in those moments. You know, what made me sad was kind Mm -hmm. of thinking about how like in this quarantine situation, sort of people are roaming kind of freely and like, you know, styles is in people's bubbles and Natalie's in people's bubbles. Yeah. And I just keep thinking about like all of the people who have been in the hospital and completely cut off from human contact in um in this pandemic. And it's it's just kind of interesting to me how our lives are gonna inform the way I think about an episode of Teen Wolf. And I weird, weird thing about <laughs> Um Yeah, it is 
so weird even to be watching like movies right now and every once in a while I'll catch myself and be like oh they're not wearing masks outside yeah and I was watching Bojack Horseman which is a cartoon and Mm -hmm. I was like where are people's masks again this is a cartoon (laughs) yeah oh but like (laughs) what I find even weirder about that is the fact that the CDC that comes in aka the Monsters Inc CDC yeah um they're wearing their protective suits suits, their hazmat suits and um they freak out when Kira gets her little um zap uh into the little suit and yet natalie is walking around no hazmat suit not even a mask well she's technically already been exposed i guess um but the thing is but like people are walking in there like Raphael takes his helmet off to give styles Mm -hmm. the message he's just like fully like i will get the smallpox and it's like well you can talk through that thing it's you're supposed to be able to i think after something so horrific he was like styles needs to see the face he's talking to um but Mm -hmm. yes yeah yeah no uh really interesting um should we shift outside of the high school let's do it so we outside of the high school have two people as i would refer to as like agents of survival so that's melissa and deaton Mm -hmm. who deaton is way less helpful than he should be but he saved a lot of lives on this show as is melissa yes and it's really, uh, it's really kind of, inter- it's, it's a, re- a really interesting dynamic that those two, like the main like saviors on the show, aren't in the school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I find it so um, interesting and like very cool that um, up until this point, um, you know, Satomi brings her pack member, I really... If, did they say his name? Mm-mm. Okay, she brings her pack member, and Deaton's like, well, you know, I hate to say this, but we have to um, take him to the hospital. And she's like, well, that's not safe. And Deaton gets to say, well, no, I know someone. I got a guy. <laughs> I, I got a guy on the inside. Um, and it's really, really interesting to, to think that if there are other supernatural creatures in Beacon Hills who like know about Melissa and could feel comfortable going to her mm-hmm. and she has that potential to save lives, um, because she knows we love and- progressive healthcare <laughs> providers. <laughs> yeah. And, and she's great and she's so willing to help. Mm-hmm. Um, not just when it involves Scott, although everything like eventually does involve, um, helping Scott. She doesn't really know that at first. Um, and, and the fact that like, they're all able to work together, um, to save people is really, really cool. Yeah. Well, I, what I find so interesting is that Melissa is put in a position where she has to prioritize people's survival where she sees that Satomi's pack member is in dire straits and knows that like she, that this is going to affect the other, uh, werewolves like she already knows that it's happening at the school and she makes the choice to just wake up Brayden who yeah. was shot was shot and could is probably what it seems like is in like a medically induced coma also she like shoots up the second that the you know wakey uppy juice goes into her IV and mm-hmm. it's like no 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 yeah take some notes from house <laughs> it's a, it's really unrealistic it was, um, it was also like Tim Tim, why did you do that? I um, have been reading a lot more fantasy lately and I've been looking at like a bunch of reviews. Fantasy was in parentheses. Uh, No, I'm I'm just gesticulating over here. I've been reading a lot of more uh, fantasy lately and I've been like reading reviews and a lot of people like just complaining about tropes of the genre. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you are not understanding that this is just like how it works 
in the fantasy world. And I get that it might not be for you, but in certain situations, you're like, that's the trope. That's the language. Okay. So is this the trope I have to accept? Or are you saying that it should have fallen into the trope of medical drama where it is like a little bit more realistic? There are, for example, we were talking throughout this whole episode about how unrealistic like the quarantine was, how unrealistic like this dire straits around the PSAT is. Um, The PSAT is optional. How dramatic it totally is. Okay, hold is. on. Let's talk about the PSAT. <laughs> <laughs> really quick. But my point is, really quickly. Yes. Um, just that, like, I guess, I guess I just have to accept that Brayden's just going to shoot right up because it's like a trope of the genre, um, even though they could try harder. Okay. All right. Yeah. Fine. I, you Sold. PSAT. Optional. Mm-hmm. I don't think I ever took it. Is it actually the qualifier for the National Merit Scholarship? It might be. I think... I definitely took it, but I don't remember like getting my scores. Um, it, it is in theory supposed to prepare you for the actual SAT, but I also think that like the PSAT doesn't have the writing portions. I don't think because why would you grade a practice writing portion? I don't know. I think the reason why it's not as common at my high school is because you take the ACT in Michigan. So I didn't, I, I took the SAT, mm-hmm. but it's not what I submit to colleges yeah. and also... It's also when you are trained to do one of the tests, like you basically get taught how to take the ACT if mm-hmm. you're in a state that takes the ACT. So my score on the SAT was never going to be as good as my score on the ACT. Yeah. And I never had to take the ACT. So interesting. No, it, instead of doing it in mini segments, you have like an hour to do all of the English and then you have like an hour to do all of the whatever. I literally did not even know that that was a test. Really? Um, until my little sister got to high school. Oh, and I was like, "What in the world?" Is Interesting. This? Well, I remember getting to—I remember getting to college, and being around a bunch of out-of-state of kids, being like, "What'd you get on the SAT?" And I was like, "What? I, <laughs> One? I mean, who cares? What? Who cares when <laughs> I? Who cares? We go to Michigan. It doesn't matter." When I transferred schools, they wanted my SAT scores. I'm like, "What? Two years of college transcripts aren't good enough for you? Dumb." Why? God, standardized testing is so stupid. It's really dumb. And I liked it as a device to illustrate like how important high school is to these people. But it should have just been the regular SAT. Yeah. They're all juniors. They would be taking the SAT already. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. They could have been taking an AP test, although Malia wouldn't have been there. And also, why is Malia taking this test? I don't know. Her accommodations would say she doesn't have to. Yeah. I... When do you, because you start taking the SATs and ACTs your junior year, and then you can take them into your senior year I as think you're you applying. Yeah. yeah, I think I took the first my first ACT. I think I took it like second semester of my junior year. Yeah, I literally can't remember, but I remember taking the SAT. Um, I remember where I took it, but not the not you only the took SAT. it once. Yeah, hmm, good for you. I also took like the SAT has um, weirdly like specialized tests. Like you can take an SAT history test. Um, like to kind of boost like as like a supplementary score. I did that once. Um, weird. Yeah. Very weird. I, most of my testing memories were AP classes and, uh, I basically, they, cause you know, when you take AP, if it's like a really big AP section, well, you were IB, so maybe you don't mm-hmm. know this. So it's like, it's like one of the really popular AP classes or there's like a lot of AP classes happening on one day they have to like divide and conquer who's going to be in what room so like all the kids who are taking U.S. are in this room and whatever but if you are in a school that doesn't have like a lot of space I used to have to take all of my because of where my name fell fell in the alphabet I took all of my AP classes in the basement of the church next door to my high school 
That's really funny. So it smelled like church coffee and like crayons <laughs> and it was always really warm in there. So you were like sleepy. You were like, I don't, I'm tired. I, I don't want to. Well, because I took, um, uh, international baccalaureate exams, um, nobody else in the school was taking them. It was just like me and my cohort and then the kids above us because you take most of your exams your junior and uh, senior year. Um, but because nobody is taking those exams, it's a cohort of 30 people. You do them on the stage. Oh. Like they put tables out on the stage. Ah. Um, and I took, some, I took some in the gym. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't yeah. think we ever did testing in, in the gym. I, I had, don't to, think t- I had to take one of my ACTs in the detention room, which has very purposefully uncomfortable chairs. <laughs> I'm really trying to think if my school had a detention room. I think you just like went to teachers' classrooms if they gave you detention. Mm, no, there was like one universal detention. Like if a teacher gave you detention, it was all the same detention, unless it was like a specialized detention. Interesting. I never got detention in high school. I got that out of the way with my three middle school <laughs> Saturday schools. I remember watching Freaky Friday and like seeing Anna go to detention all the time with a like, clipboard around her neck, and I was like, oh, this is what high school is going to be like. No, no. Um, no, Teen Wolf also doesn't know what high school is like. Back to what's Clearly happening no. outside of, <laughs> of the uh, of the school. So we also have um, Sheriff and Raphael, who are playing a sort of smaller role in this, but are also um, sort of helpless in the way of helping other people survive until Raphael ultimately ends up shooting the chemist. Um, and it, I think this is one of the situations where it is occurring to the sheriff that he has to depend on his son and Raphael's son and Scott for the survival of themselves, which is a very weird position to be put in as a parent. Yeah. And he also still is just now wrapping his head around all of this stuff and he's doing a valiant job. Um, So I think it says a lot that he is able to put that trust into styles because he really, really wants to help and is in a position where he cannot mm-hmm. because it's not his jurisdiction, I guess. I mean, like it is, but it's the CDC. He can't go in there. No, cause it's a quarantine zone. Um, and I think it says a lot kind of about what he's been learning and his experiences with styles and like how competent he views his son to be. Um, which is tremendously mm-hmm. com- competent. Um, it's really interesting to kind of watch him um, embrace that, like, this is what's going to happen. Um, and he's clearly really worried about it because he does ask Lydia um, if yeah. she senses, if she has some sort of premonition that someone is going to die. And she says, yeah, duh. Um, basically a little nicer than that. Yeah. Someone does die. She's mm-hmm. right. I think it's really interesting having a conversation um, about survival next to somebody who can say for sure, yes or no, whether or not people will. Mm-hmm. Um, Lydia has an interesting arc in this episode. She is, she is, I think, struggling with her own survival as like sort of a soul banshee. And yeah. she has this sort of conversation with herself in front of the record player being like, I know this, if this works sometimes, I, sometime I need it to be able to work for me right now because she feels completely out of control of her powers at the mercy of them, really. Um, and her only other Banshee companion, I say companion loosely, has not survived to this episode. Yeah, I also think that um, Lydia is feeling a tremendous amount of guilt um, with regards to Meredith because she has been able to survive with this, um, with being a banshee and it drove Meredith to insanity. 
Um, and not only that, but it drove her to her quote unquote death. Cloth on cloth. Yes. Yeah, to what Lydia perceives to be her death. Um, and so, you know, and also like Lydia has survived, um, in, in spite of like losing her best friend. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a survivor. I ain't gonna give up. Yeah. Yes, she is. Um, and I think she feels guilty about that. I think they all do. Um, so like their feeling of wanting to be survivors, um, is tied up in guilt of the people who have not made it everybody, but especially Lydia, because she feels that she can predict it. Um, and therefore she should be able to give more specific answers Yeah, about what's happening. Yeah. And I, you know, she doesn't specify who's going to die. And I think that must be really terrifying for her that I think that she also doesn't know. She just knows Mm -hmm. that somebody will, and that's why she's there. And everybody Um, she cares about is in that school. Yeah terrifying including her mom including and especially her mom because her mom is also like because nobody in beacon hills has us nobody in teen wolf has a sibling or another parent yes i feel like that when i'm on a uh, tumblr and i see fan fiction i feel like the most of it is like imagine if such and such character had a sibling about teen wolf you mean yeah 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 yeah, they should have given people um, siblings. <laughs> some, yeah. At well, some point. I also think sibling dynamics can ultimately like be some of the things that like make or break shows. You know. Oh, and for these. sure. Sibling dynamics is the number one thing that keeps rom coms running. Mm-hmm. How would rom coms work if everybody didn't have a sister? <laughs> True. Um, no, it's interesting because I feel like the the show that I compare Teen Wolf to the most is Buffy, and yes. uh, nobody on Buffy has a sibling. Uh, Buffy gets one. She does, but that is magical mm. and not real, um, and it changes the entire dynamic, and for the first four seasons, no one has a sibling, um, which is, I guess, strategic. Well, I think I think the other show that I would be most likely to compare Teen Wolf to is The Vampire Diaries, and that's the whole thing. Is I have that, not watched. Okay, well, the whole thing is that they're brothers, so... Okay. Yeah. I think I did vaguely know that. Yeah. Brothers in competition. Yeah. With one another. It's stupid. <laughs> you don't have to watch the Vampire Diaries. All right. I probably won't, but maybe someday. Yeah. Also, True Blood. True. B- yeah. God bless. Yeah. I love the sibling dynamic on True Blood. Yeah. Jason is the dumbest <laughs> man alive. The show would not work without him. No. And also, like, Tara and Lafayette are not siblings, but they have the sibling dynamic. Oh, for sure. Um, they, I think, are the best parts of, yeah. of True Blood. Um, yeah. Jason and Also, technically, Suki. Terry and what's-his-name are brothers. Yeah. 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 See, t- True Blood runs on siblings. <laughs> Todd Lowe and who else, who else was it? I don't know. Yeah. It's the police guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. yeah I, know, I know you know. Yeah, yeah. The, the listeners can figure it out. Um, <laughs> the true blood stands. The true in the blood audience. stands. Um, yeah, everybody's just trying to get through to the next episode. Yeah. Um, Aren't we all? The next day. <laughs> Us too. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, it, it's really interesting when sort of we have an, obviously we have a perpetrator, we've got the, the chemist, but we have an invisible enemy we're fighting against and that makes the fight for survival so much more um, internal because mm-hmm. they can't, it's not like they can punch their way out of this one. Oh yeah. Well, and there's also, a, like, also in- the ultimate survivor is Satomi. I love her. Like she's so cool. <laughs> I lived bitch. Yeah. She's so neat. Um, I really liked getting to see more of her. I am glad that she's like the one character that gets brought in from that particular situation um, and stays around. Cause like we haven't seen um, Nishiko in forever. Um, so I like that Satomi's there. Um, 
the other thing in terms of survival that I think would be worth talking about um, just really quickly is everybody's money problems. Oh, yeah. Which I ignored them because they're boring. We have established that we find them boring. I legit think that if Scott was like, hey, Derek, me and my, you have a shitload of money. Me and my mom are really going through it right now. You want to give us a loan? He'd be like, hell yeah, no interest. Actually, I'm a millionaire. You don't have to pay it back. He literally would just, Scott could be like, this is my finder's fee. And Derek would be like, cool. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Um, Actually, Scott wouldn't ask. Derek would be like, well, here's 10 grand. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's also absolutely ridiculous that the Hales don't have just like, aren't part of like a hedge fund or something. Dude, well, it's like so the whole bearer bonds thing is like, it's 20 something in this show. They would have offshore bank accounts. Yeah. It's well, I think it's fine if that's like their emergency stash, but to couch it as like, that is the only source of well, the Hale family wealth. I think that's wealth. Peter's only source of his wealth because mm. Derek is a landlord. Derek Boo. is a landlord. Um, but yeah, yeah so you're right. I mean, building. the 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 growing tension of this episode is that um, Styles basically suggests stealing from the Hills to Scott. Yeah, um, and the other thing that I kind of um, appreciated about the money conversation, uh, it is boring, but it did bring us back to kind of like a crucial conversation that's been missing because they have been dealing with other things. But Styles brings up multiple times in this episode that. Um, Peter's a bad guy. Yes. Peter is a villain. And he even says, like, we're just letting him walk around like nothing happened. Yeah. Things happened. Peter is a cockroach. He is a, he refuses to die and he's caused problems in everyone's life. Can I also say this episode is really thrilling to me because it exists as its own, it exists within the plot, but also exists with as its own sort of entity in the season, which we didn't, you know, we don't get as many of those as these seasons go on. It was great that Peter and Kate weren't in this episode. Oh, I would have liked if Liam were there, but he's not taking the PSAT. No. Um, But I thought it was a really kind of, clever way because we've we've talked before about the fact that like people aren't allowed really to mourn their dead um on team wolf or they don't really make a lot of room for it and things kind of get dropped even though um the emotional ramifications have not been fully explored um so bringing it back to that bitch who started it all yeah peter i think is really smart yes i agree Especially because he turns out to be the main villain, so it's important that they are. Or Meredith about is also him. the main villain. I guess. I guess. Um, shall we do Q's and O's? Let's do it. Uh, do you have any questions? I do not actually have any questions. Do you have any questions? Uh, yes, uh, Lydia. Why does she never use a Ouija board? Cursed. Yeah, but I feel like I really feel like <laughs> if she's trying to talk to ten people, it may really help. Um. You know, serious answer, perhaps. Well, maybe Styles brings her one when they're trying to figure stuff out in 3A. Yeah, and she's like, this is stupid. Yeah. But also, I really, I kind of feel like if, you know, Lydia is a banshee, um, I feel like there are so many ghosts out there in the world. It must be really loud. Um, and then, like, trying to hone in on what it must be, like, tuning a radio frequency, only it's absolutely impossible. I don't know. Um, well, I wouldn't actually know this about the Banshee lore and Teen Wolf because they never developed it. They never develop it. But no. Also, I think it would be cool um, if I I loved Lydia's whole thing about plucking at the piano strings, not even like playing the keys, but playing the strings in the back of them. Mm-hmm. I loved that. And then she's like, I don't have time to <laughs> do two hours of pulling on piano strings. You could hit the keys, dude. <laughs> you could. It's fun. It's a cool thing to watch. I would like it if she had some sort of consistency. Yeah. I um, like the record player, though. Oh, I do, too. Just pick 
Pick, pick a thing. Well, I think it's interesting if, you know, different things evoke different things, like, you know, call upon different spirits or whatever, but they don't develop that. So no. bad job, Teen Wolf. Okay. Do you have any observations? Yeah, I kind of dropped this in also. Um, and I remember why I thought this um, episode was kind of funny because anytime I see a yellow hazmat suit, it reminds me of Monsters, Inc. Uh-huh. Um, and the 2319. 2319! And everybody having to get all their fur shaved off. And I No, it's just George <laughs> it's Sanderson. George Sanderson. <laughs> um, just having like a really, really tough time. Uh, all for like a sock yes. from a child's bedroom. And that's kind of what this feels like. It feels a little like overkill, but it's um, it's just really funny to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really love, and again, this is just like another trope of the genre, I guess, that they just randomly have the schematics to the school at accessible to them at any time in paper form. Well, I think that they might be like in the janitor's closet or whatever. And somebody who has a, you know, key could get in there, but like, you're right. Yeah. Well, no, I'm sure they exist. It's just the fact that they can get to them instantly and know how to read them and utilize them. Um, Although, honestly, as a a high school, like, the schematics might be public record. They might be. I just, I I find it funny that they're so easily accessible. Yeah. Also, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, and I also, um, I thought that the uh, little moments between Brayden and Derek were really, really touching and sweet. Um, I want to know more about their relationship, and we don't ever get that, but he really, really likes her. He does. And he wants to save her. And he's finally opening his heart to somebody Mm-hmm. Who's not an evil skank? Finally, she might be. She might be a skank, which we love and appreciate and support. Not evil. Hundred um, percent. She's just doing a job. Yeah, she yeah. just she's just a lady with a job. Yeah, um, it's her nine to five. Yeah. Okay. Those my, are my observations. My observations: one, Tim Andrew loves slow mo. Mm-hmm. He loves it. His, I don't mind it. Yeah. Good. Good variation to the pace. This this episode. Oh, I thought so too. Um. Oh. The when Deaton does the autopsy on the, the member of Snowy's pack and he folds over his scalp, horrific body horror. Teen Wolf, that was dis- we both like Mm-mm. sat back on the couch being like, oh, that was a lot. Good body horror in this episode. Um, a lot of really good um, foley too of like the the scrunching of the scalp and like yeah ugh. Ugh. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah very good. Um, I also. I said this earlier, but I just, I was really appreciative of how like affectionate everybody was with each other. Like, especially when you're sick, people don't, people don't want to touch you cause they don't want to get sick, but like you want to be held because it's like such a weakened state. Mm-hmm. And when you see like Malia, like curled up in Styles's lap. And then later when, when Scott is, when like Styles finally breaks back into the vault and hugs Scott, it's like, I just, yeah. they want to be there for each other. It, that is also something that is like, contingent on their survival so Uh, yeah i think one of the sweetest things is like um brushing someone's hair back when they're sick Mm -hmm. or just like you know playing with their hair love a trope such a like a tender thing to do yeah this episode was Um, very tender for being as gross as it was very sweet and it also wasn't as like a breakneck speed as the other episodes that we've been dealing with no that's why i was so shocked i was so bad at the recap (laughs) there's actually not that much to like Mm -hmm. hash out but it was yeah it was fun i had a great time but I, th- I think that's cool, especially considering, like, which assassin we're dealing with, because, like, the orphans are strike fast, they have a plan, like, it's really chaotic, and the chemist is just happy to sit back and, like, watch it happen. Which is 
great. I, 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 I said this. Kind of I said this to you at the beginning. I think that's a great villain. It is. It's so much more interesting to watch somebody like revel in chaos as opposed to be the instigator of it. Yes, that's um, why the Joker is so great. Yes, he's mm. also the instigator. Yeah. Um, do you? Oh, pack stats. Pack stats. Yeah. Um. All things considered, I thought there would have been more. Um, we had two uh, eyes. I didn't need anybody to be naked two in this claws. episode. Um, so Tommy's pack member just happens to be naked. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't notice any explicit ads, although the kids do have to put their phones in the little baggies. And we see Kira's phone, which is the Nokia, the star Nokia ad. So funny. And uh, as of right now, as of this time of recording, no sirens. One went by right before we mm-hmm. started recording, and I was like, missed that one. It's also raining, and I always find it so funny when the fire sirens go off when it's raining. Because, of course, things can still catch fire, but I'm like, it's wet outside. <laughs> um, sometimes they're not going for fires, though. Sometimes it's different emergencies. Like That's true. Car crashes and stuff. Yeah. Perhaps that would explain the rain thing. People drive really dumb in the rain. Yeah, they do. Ugh. Anywho, do you have an off of the week? Oh, my off of the week is Satomi. I'm going to give it to Satomi. I'm also going to give it to Mm -hmm. Styles because uh, I think that it is an insane thing that he does to stand in front of the chemist and. Oh yeah, his when he's like, you can scare scare me. me. Uh He's like, no, I think I'm going to kill you. Excellent, excellent exchange. I should have put that in my observations. It was an excellent exchange. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to give it to Satomi, and also I really loved her little interaction with Derek when Um, she's like, "You remind me of Talia." Yeah, and she's like, "Do you remember me when I used to come over when you were like a little one?" And he's like, "Yeah, you brought smelly tea." Yeah, which is how we figure out that the reishi is what saves everybody. Mm -hmm. So great interaction. Um, I think that about wraps it up. I did our housekeeping at the beginning of this episode. Look at you go! But if you forgot at Teen Wolf underscore Rewolf, look it up, ladies. and review this episode or you know the podcast in general other than that we love you guys we hope this episode isn't too triggering to your covid uh psychosis Mm. and we hope you have a wolf of the mother fucking week (laughs) Uh, Uh, woo! woo